Tragically, we have seen several public shootings over the last couple of weeks. Recently, a supervisor at a Walmart in Virginia came to work and open-fired on his fellow employees, killing six. According to news outlets, in Colorado, a 22-year-old showed up at a gay nightclub and killed five people and injured 17 more. All this is alleged, as the court will still determine the exact details. Many recently tried to paint this individual as a vicious right-winger, until court documents actually showed that the shooter identifies as non-binary and uses they-them pronouns. Beyond the shooting, we recently saw the tragedy up in Buffalo, New York, and down in Uvalde, Texas. In many of these instances, the shooter was clearly troubled prior to the shooting, and not much was done about it. In Colorado, the suspect had been booked into the El Paso County Jail on two counts of felony menacing and three counts of first-degree kidnapping. This came about when they-them threatened their mother with a homemade bomb. However, no charges ended up being filed and the case was sealed. The gunman had also changed his name at age 16 in order to protect himself from his father, who also had a criminal history. Unfortunately, whenever these tragedies come about, there's always a group of people who immediately want to start talking about gun control. Joe Biden just announced future gun control legislation coming up as a result of the Walmart shooting. When Uvalde happened, Matthew McConaughey went to the White House to discuss the idea of further restrictions. Because of this, I wanted to ask the question, is owning a gun acceptable for Christians? Is self-defense even moral? First off, from a biblical perspective, I think it is crucial to start with the words of Jesus. Christ told us to turn the other cheek in Matthew 5, 38-39. However, this turning of the other cheek did not include neglecting self-defense. This is simply instruction on not seeking personal vengeance in order to get even with someone who wrongs you. Luke 22, 36-38 states, He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Some individuals have used verse 38 as a way of saying Christ was anti-gun because he was rebuking his disciples by saying, enough, as in enough of this talk, in response to his disciples not understanding that he was being metaphorical when referencing a sword. Except I don't believe he was being metaphorical at all, as he was previously referring to a money bag and a knapsack in a very literal way in the same statement about swords. In addition to this, Earlier in his ministry, Jesus sent out his disciples with specific instructions to bring nothing along with them. Many have pointed out that this may be due to the fact that Jesus was among the disciples and was providing for them in supernatural ways. When he gives the instructions here in Luke 22 to be prepared and equipped, it is because Christ is about to leave them and go to the cross. I also believe that this passage shows us that Christ's disciples clearly had had two swords with them on hand during their travels with Jesus. Had it been sinful for his disciples to do so, I have no doubt Christ would have rebuked them for it. Later on in Luke, Christ does in fact rebuke Peter for cutting off the ear of the Roman soldier, but I think there is good reason for it. First off, this was not necessarily done in self-defense 
as Jesus was being arrested, not attacked, and Peter was not even the subject of the Roman guards' attention. This implies Peter was on the attack and not defending himself. In addition to this, Jesus knew he was going to the cross as part of the redemption plan of the Father. He had already told Peter, get behind me, Satan, when Peter tried to prevent the Father's will in the past. I believe this is the same kind of rebuking taking place. He then told Peter to put his sword away. Notice he didn't tell him to get rid of the sword or hand it over to the guards. I think it is clear that Christ did not have issue with his disciples being armed with what was considered a high caliber weapon at the time. If anything, these verses show that he was maybe even advocating for it. Now, there will probably be a few people who want to point out that God's words say, Thou shalt not kill in the Ten Commandments. This is an important thing to address as well, because many have misunderstood that the text actually says, Thou shalt not murder. This distinction is massive as it completely changes the meaning behind the instruction. A woman who uses her concealed handgun to put down an attacker who tried kidnapping her friend outside of a bar is not a murderer. The Colorado shooter, on the other hand, is accused of murder. A civilian taking down an active shooter inside of an elementary school is not a murderer. The school shooter is. This brings us to the next question we have to answer, which is, does civilian carrying guns deter crime? Or in other words, does gun control even work? According to the National Center for Policy Analytics, New Jersey adopted what was described as the most strict gun law in America in 1966, and two years later, the homicide rate had increased 46% and reported robberies doubled. After Hawaii adopted a series of restrictions on guns, its murder rate tripled from 2.4 per 100,000 in 1968 to over 7 per 100,000 in 1976. Washington, D.C. enacted one of the most restrictive gun control laws in the country, and the murder rate increased 134% at the same time that the national murder rate decreased by 2%. A study done by Florida State University criminologist Gary Clerk showed that these laws had no significant effect in decreasing violent crime or suicide. In 2003, a published review of studies in control put out by the CDC could not find any statistical significant decrease in crime that came from such laws. Another author named John Lott used FBI statistics to show that concealed handgun laws reduced crime by 8.5%, rape by 5%, and severe assault by 7%. If right-to-carry laws prevailed throughout the country, there would be 1,600 fewer murders, 4,200 fewer rapes, and 60,000 fewer severe assaults over a 15-year period. The pro-gun-controlled side often, but not always, uses emotional arguments and slander in order to push their agenda forward. I don't advocate for using emotional arguments with generalities when debating issues, but for the sake of politics and messaging, if the pro-Second Amendment side was to engage in this kind of behavior, there are many statistics to point to. Next time someone used a generality such as, the right is pro-murder weapon, or a gun has more rights than a woman, the other side can use this tactic too. Why are you so pro-rape? They could ask. It isn't helpful, so don't engage in it on a personal level. But when it comes to strict marketing towards the mass population, perhaps it's time the pro-gun crowd told and sold a better story themselves, one backed by facts. 
Finally, I want to address another issue. A recent study from the Crime Prevention Research Center, CPRC, released in October shows that the FBI undercounts the number of times an armed civilian stops an active shooting. The study stated the following. The FBI reports that armed citizens only stopped 11 of the 252 active shooter incidents it identified for the period of 2014 to 2021. The FBI defines active shooter incidents as those in which an individual actively kills or attempts to kill people in a populated public area. But it does not include those it deems related to other criminal activity, such as a robbery or fighting over drug turf. An analysis by my organization identified a total of 36 active shooter incidents during that period and found that an armed citizen stopped 124. A previous report looked at only instances when armed civilians stopped what likely would have been mass public shootings. There were another 24 cases that we didn't include where armed civilians stopped armed attacks, but the suspect didn't fire his gun. Those cases are excluded from our calculations, though it could be argued that a civilian also stopped what likely could have been an active shooting event. Simon Fraser University professor Gary Mauser said the following in response. Whether deliberately, through bias, or just incompetence, the FBI database of active shooters cannot be trusted. The truth is, we will never know why these statistics are being neglected, overlooked, or intentionally ignored, but we can keep this in mind the next time fear-mongering media tries to create the outrage with the goal of passing more gun control. Ultimately, I believe we serve a God who views life as sacred. Human beings are, after all, created in his image, and I believe the evidence shows us that more gun freedom results in less crime. More restrictions lead to more lives lost. I hope I've been successful in showing you some biblical proof that gun control is not contrary to God's commands. But if not, let me know in the comments below. There is a lot I left out in order to keep this video brief, and I don't mind sharing more if requested. Until then, be responsible, and keep practicing your Second Amendment rights.